It was like I was watching a rom-com, but I was reading it. Okay, hi everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Legally Tour. This is your host, Erin, speaking. If you have not listened to before, listened to before, that was great English. We're starting off fantastic today. If you've never listened before, my name is Erin. I just finished my first year of law school. I am currently doing a summer internship in a clinic at my school, as well as doing some research for one of my professors over the summer, which is actually new since the last episode I posted two weeks ago. But so that's a little bit about me. Oh, I go to law school in New York as well. But I am from New Hampshire. Now I'm a New York law school girly, so that's where we're at. So if you're a new listener, that's who I am. If you want more info about me, I've done like full episodes about myself at the beginning of the podcast, so I will not bore everyone with that again. But um, anyway, so welcome back or welcome if you are brand new. I'm sorry if my audio is still a bit off. I yet again have forgotten that my mic does not plug into my new computer, so I still need to get like an adapter for that or simply get a new mic. Um, so that's something I have to do that I keep forgetting to do because, um, you know, I forget everything. That's it's the life of ADHD. I should write it down right now. Like I should put it on a sticky note or something, but I'm not going to. So I'll probably remember again next week. Hopefully before then. I should definitely set a, set a reminder. Anyway, I hope you've all been great. I'm sorry I didn't post last week. I just, I have been so busy. I needed last week to kind of chill and like pull my life back together after doing all the bridal shower stuff and everything. But I am back this week. I've got some guests and like topics that I'm working on lining up for the next couple months. But today I am solo on the mic and we're going to do a little Q&A from some questions that were submitted by listeners and followers on the Instagram. So if you listen, but you don't follow us on Instagram, it's Weekly Couture Podcast on Instagram. So if you have any topic recommendations or questions you want answered about law school, uh, mental health, or anything you've heard me talk about before, like if you want more info on it, or anything you think that I would know about, even if I haven't talked about it, send me questions. I love it. Anyways, we're going to be doing a little listener Q&I, but for the first like 10 or so minutes, maybe a little less, I'm just going to give a brief synopsis about the Roe v. Wade overturning and um, just like the basics of what that is, kind of what it means, a little bit about some aspects of what the opinion means, which is like the, if you don't know what the opinion is, if you're not like in law school right now, you're not a lawyer and you don't know what that is, it's kind of like the basic basic write-up like it's the write-up from the supreme court justices like it's where they write their opinion (laughs) um so they like explain their reasoning for the ruling basically so um, i'm going to talk a little bit about the basics of that a couple things that were in there kind of what the implications are for this overturning moving forward and how it can kind of affect some other things that don't seem like they would be affected by something like that but in a way are affected by the overturning of Roe v. Wade or could be affected by it in the future, the things that it kind of leaves open. Um, But so I'm probably going to talk about that, like I said, for about 10 minutes. So if that's not something you're interested in, I will put a timestamp in the um, description of the episode if you're not interested in it or if it's triggering in any way for you so you can skip ahead of that. 
And um, then, like I said, I'll be doing a little Q&A that some listeners submitted. But first, let's talk a little bit about the Supreme Court ruling from this week. Okay, please, please tell me why I just, like, tried to sound British right before that music, but um, it didn't even sound British. I don't know what it was, but um, it was intended to be British. I don't know what happened. Anyway, so Roe v. Wade overturning the basics of it. If you don't know Roe v. Wade, that's okay. No judgment. Um, I'm here to educate. If you've simply never heard of it up until this past week when it was overturned, the... um, like Roe v. Wade is what provided the national protection of abortion. So it provided the protection of a person with a uterus's right to get an abortion. So the overturning this week in the most basic of explanations did not just make abortion illegal. That's not what it did. It did not put a ban on abortion nationwide. That's not what it did. It did not create a national law. It wasn't like a, we did a flip. It wasn't like a before it was protected and legal and now it's illegal everywhere. No, because Roe v. Wade was not, I mean, it was, I was going to say it didn't make it legal, but it did make it legal in that it protected the right saying that it was a constitutional right to be able to um, get an abortion anywhere in the country. So it's that when it was overturned, it didn't, as I said, make it automatically illegal everywhere. What it did was it got rid of that protection. And the protection banned bans on abortion. So with the Roe v. Wade protection in place, you couldn't just put a flat-out ban on abortions. Like, we all know there was, like, the heartbeat law that was passed in um, Texas back in the fall, and um, that did put a lot of restrictions on it, but it still wasn't completely illegal. But without Roe v. Wade being there, it is now possible for states to pass laws that completely ban abortions if they want to. And then, so with that... Like I said, it's not every state. It's automatically illegal. But it's that some states had these trigger laws put in place where as soon as Roe v. Wade was overturned, they had a law that would go into place immediately or they had a law um, that would go in place after a certain amount of time after the ruling. So many of the states, like, um, like Texas has the heartbeat law, like I said, but they have another one that will go into effect 30 days after the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So a lot of states have things like that where they had like laws ready and lined up for literally like the second that Roe v. Wade was overturned. And um, like I said, this Roe v. Wade protected a person's right to abortion in any state. So now states have their own choice of what they do. And the reason that that's problematic in the most basic of sense is just that it is a right that has been seen as constitutional for all of these years. It was seen to have been in the Constitution, not as an enumerated right, which are the things that are explicitly stated, 
but as something that was an unenumerated one, but was protected in the Constitution um, without explicitly stating it by other clauses that put protections in place for the things that the writers of the Constitution wouldn't have thought of at that time. That's why there are certain clauses in there, like the Due Process Clause. So then what the Constitution protects can kind of change over time with the way things change when we realize that more things are rights, like how women didn't used to be able to vote, but we can vote now. Um, Slavery used to be legal, but it's illegal now because even though the Constitution may have been not allowing us the right to vote and only the white men that owned property could vote, um, that changed. And so, like, now we can vote. Um, But so... With that, where was that going? You know, my thoughts, they're always everywhere. Damn ADHD. Anyway, but so um, it was the constitutional right as it was read into the Constitution as something was that was protected under the Due Process Clause. Now, the first issue with this is that it's not the same across all states, like I said. So now people are going to be fleeing states to get um, abortions when they need them so it's going to be very costly or they're going to be um, trying to like self-induce abortions which is very dangerous or um, even worse some people may commit suicide because they see it as the better option so overall like it's not even for people that are anti-abortion, putting a ban like this in place doesn't stop it. It just makes them more dangerous. And that's the problem. That is the big, big problem. No matter what your thoughts are, like, doesn't stop. It just makes it more dangerous. My personal thoughts are simply that we need more resources in the world. If people had more resources, then they'd be able to better care for themselves. And just like, I don't know, just gotta be gotta be good to people you know if you if people have the resources to have easy access to healthcare for themselves for any children they may have easy access to childcare, easy access to food paid maternity leave all those things in place people would be more likely to carry on with pregnancies but abortion still would be legal in cases where people needed them but it's you know like just banning something doesn't ever make something go away it just makes people do it in more dangerous ways so giving people better resources is really the answer to most problems in this country but um besides the point point being this law is just making it dangerous for people and costly and very very dangerous but aside from that of like people going to different states and it costing a lot of money to get abortions in different states and all that fun, fun, fun jazz that it is to have a uterus in America these days. Um, There are other problems. So first on the problem of like abortions in general, abortion is the medical, not cure, what's the word I'm looking at? The medical treatment for somebody with like an ectopic pregnancy, which means the, um, the fetus like latched somewhere outside of the uterus so like if you have an egg that starts to grow into a fetus in like the fallopian tube or something and that's dangerous because then like it doesn't fit there so it can burst and then um you can bleed out but 
because of the laws that some states are putting in place, it's wishy-washy when a doctor is allowed to step in in an instance like that. So it's making it more difficult for people to get life-saving treatment um, when needed, when they need like an emergency abortion, if it was like a miscarriage, but they need an abortion to completely clear that out um, or an ectopic pregnancy or anything like that. There's many instances where an abortion is life-saving and necessary for the mother to survive. So, um, and many of these laws, because like I said, they're unclear or they just completely are putting a ban on abortions, it's like it's, it's just creating a lot of dangerous situations for people that need it. Like, abortion is a necessary medical treatment in a lot of cases, and it's just like putting a ban putting a ban on something just simply doesn't get rid of it and it just makes things more dangerous um so yeah dangerous world we're living in but outside of that fun 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 stuff um the opinion so let's go into a little bit of the opinion this was in the dissent not the dissent the concurrence by justice thomas um basically he referenced other cases that were based on this same due process protection thing. And um, he basically said, we should reevaluate all of those. And those cases, including ones that protected like same-sex marriage, access to birth control, all those fun things, sexual acts in private, like sodomy, you know, all those fun, 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 fun things. Um, So he referenced all of these cases that we're based on this same clause. So um, he was like, we should really reevaluate all of those. But regardless of if he had said that, like it was very, very rude for him to say it. And like, especially same-sex marriage, it's Pride Month, sir. Sorry, that was me hitting my computer. You could probably hear that. Um, very disrespectful, very disrespectful. I mean, the whole thing is disrespectful, but um, not a fan of Thomas, if you didn't pick up on that. Anyway, regardless, um, so... By overturning Roe v. Wade, it's setting a precedent to make it easier to overturn these other things, whether Thomas had said it or not. What this did was create that precedent by being like, oh, yeah, this isn't um, protected under this clause. So these other things aren't necessarily protected under it, too, is basically what it comes down to. So um, there's just a lot of fear at this point, which is very valid, that um, these other cases that have been like precedent for all this time precedent meaning like it's just like that is the law um so other like cases are based on it so like things were based on the ruling in roe v wade you know so um this was a little scrambled up but basically synopsis synopsis of roe v wade it did not make abortions illegal everywhere it gave states the option to make whatever abortion laws they want so they are allowed to ban abortions if they want to and some states have as i said already put laws in place have laws that are set to go in place very soon and some are up in the air so we don't know what some states are going to do um and then there is what were the other things sorry my brain is a little bit tired this is your scrambled synopsis and then the other parts oh just that it's going to um it's going to be difficult for people to get emergency um, abortions, emergency life-saving abortions when needed, because if it's not clear if the doctor can do it under the law, they might be iffy about like 
should I do it? Do I have to wait until they're literally like in severe, severe danger? So it's just making it more dangerous because you can't always just jump over to another state in an emergency. That's like, you know, an emergency. It's like you need immediate care. So um, it's creating problems with that. And then like the other implications outside of abortion itself is that by overturning this case that was based on this clause, other things that were based on this case, Roe v. Wade, or based on this same clause, now would be easier to overturn. And that's things like same-sex marriage, access to birth control, healthcare, all those fun, 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 fun things. So, um, yeah, that's my basic synopsis of Roe v. Wade. If you guys have any specific questions or anything you want me to explain specifically from it that you're, like, seeing things about, let me know. I can do some answers on Instagram. I can make a TikTok about it if you want. I can talk about it on the episode next week because, as I said, this is just a really, like, basic synopsis of the effects that it's having outside of what you may imagine, first off, when you first hear, like, oh, Roe v. Wade was overturned, if you know what it is. Or if you didn't know what it is, now I explain what Roe v. Wade was. So these are your basics. Hit me up with any more questions you have. I am happy to talk about it on the podcast, on Instagram, whatever you want. Um, I will continue to share some resources and um, kind of examples of what's going on right now on Instagram. So um, check out my Instagram. If you are, like I'm sharing things on my story every day of like stories and explanations of like what this is doing, just because like, I can't even think of all the examples myself of what it does, even like really understanding and having looked into the effects of it. I'm reading a lot of things. So as I see them, I will share them on my story so you guys can see them as well. But um, that is that for that. And oh, I'll do I'll do that as my little thing at the end, actually. So um, anyway, going on to the Q&A from the listeners. Okay, I just spoke into my phone like it was a microphone because I'm done. I'm done. I'm oh, dumb, not done. Okay, I'm not done. I'm not done with the episode. We're only at about 20 minutes. <laughs> okay, the first question is... I won't say names because people didn't say if they wanted me to say who they were, so I'm just going to say the question. Could you talk about the t- typical weekday-slash-weekend holiday while in law school? So, um... I have done some ep- some episodes. Ooh, my brain. I've done some TikToks and posted them on like Instagram Reels too of kind of what a day in my life looks like. But in law school, so your first year you don't get to make your schedule, which is really unfortunate. But um, because of that, you don't really get a say in like when your day starts and when your day ends. So first semester I had class at 8.45 every day. That was not for me second semester class starting at 10 so I'm not an early riser but this depends on what type of person you are for me I am a wake up late stay up late person so when I had class at 10 I would wake up to make it to class at 10 so I'd wake up at like 9 I have a dog so I'd wake up at 9 I'd walk my dog I'd come back 
Um, I would forget to take my ADHD meds, so I'd take them when I got to class. Um, I would grab, like, some breakfast that I could, like, have a, like, go. Um, so I'd wake up at 9, like I said. It's like a usually leave at like 9 35 to walk to school so do quick like 15 minute walk with my dog um so then I'd give myself like 15 minutes to kind of pull myself together get dressed put some makeup on if I wanted to do that day you know brush my teeth all that fun jazz um but again if you're a morning person like I had some friends that would like get up at eight and like do like an hour of like studying in the morning so it depends who you are but I know I'm not I don't function in the morning a 10 o'clock class is about as early as I go. And now in the summer, even I start working about 10. But so typical day, I'd go to class. I would have a break um, in between some classes. So I would have two classes in a row and I'd have an hour and a half break. So at that point, depending like when I ate breakfast, I would either grab lunch or grab a snack. And then usually either not usually the library, usually find a classroom or we've got some seats down in the lobby in our moot courtroom and just like study with my friends for an hour. We do readings if we didn't do it for our class that afternoon or I tried to read at least a day ahead. So I would try to not be reading my afternoon reading that same day before the class, but sometimes it happens. So do like an hour of reading then. Then um, I would get home from class at about a little before three or at three because my last class ended at 2 30 um because i had the same schedule every day second semester basically um so i would get home at like three ish if i didn't like stay later to study because i have a dog normally since my class started at 10 i would go to class from 10 to 3 and that would be like my time at school so i'd be there like the five hours of that maybe a little longer if i stayed like an hour or something after but because i have my dog i would come home and walk her um and then it always kind of just turned into me giving myself like an hour break when I would get home. So that's just what I eventually ended up like allowing myself to do without being like, oh, I should be studying. No, like my brain needed an hour to like kind of decompress from the day. And then I would dive into doing my readings for the next day. If they're not done yet, occasionally I would read ahead on like Sunday or something. Depends on the vibe, depended on my weekend, what was going on. But um, now do some studying. I usually had dinner late because a lot of times I would eat lunch when I got home since I would have late breakfast at like 10. So I would do lunch when I would get home at like 2.45, 3. So um, I would do late dinner normally. So I would try to get all my readings done before dinner if I could. But if I had like a crazy excessive amount, I would take a break around like 8, 8.30 and have dinner. Um, now, I'm not saying my schedule is perfect. It definitely was not. I could have better managed and organized my time probably but typically for me it would be like 10 to 3 class do a little studying in between class and then spend like depending how much reading I had two to five hours after school studying so it could be anywhere from like a seven eight hour day of class and work or it could be like a 10 hour day on days when I had more reading to do so again it really depended on the day but most people recommend, and I tried to do my best to do it by doing my readings between class and maybe still after class to finish up and not have to take my books home. So try to treat it like a full-time job where you kind of get yourself done during the daytime and let yourself chill at night, which I would try to give myself the night to chill, even if I was reading until like eight or nine. Like, like I said, I didn't have class until 10, so I'd sleep until nine. So I'd get a couple hours to myself at night. Um, so that's kind of what the typical day looked like for me during the week. 
And then on weekends, Fridays were kind of my day of do nothing. Once I got home from class at three, I'd be like, I am done. I am going to relax. And Friday was my day of chilling. Then Saturday and Sunday, depending what my plans were, one of those days I would, one or parts of both of them, I would spend studying. But um, I tried not to let it take over my life. Some people do. It depends. It really depends how much you want to put into law school. If you're like, I plan to know this all perfectly. Or if you know you just take more time to learn things, like you'll probably need to spend more time on the weekends. But you should give yourself, in my opinion, off at least like one day a week. Like even if it's just like after school on Fridays, be like, when I get home from class on Friday, whether that's done at like 12 or like 1 or like I was done at 2 on fr- 2.30 on Fridays. I was done at 2 actually. I get home 2.30. My class was 1 to 2 on Fridays. Um, like that afternoon and tonight, I'd be like, this is my this is my time of rest. Just give yourself that time. I highly recommend it. It'll make the um, workload more sustainable in the long run if you're like, I get these breaks. So um, that's kind of what my typical week and weekend would look like um he also put holiday but holiday is kind of the same as the weekend you know just like it depends how much work you have how much time you have to put into it so it depends on like that specific week and you can always look ahead and do your readings a little far in advance but I wouldn't do your readings more than like I don't know a few days like a week in advance because otherwise you might forget the case like by the time you get to it in class um or you're at the very least going to have to like refresh your notes if you take really good notes when you do your readings. But I tend to, when I do notes, I mark up my pages in my actual reading, whether it's on my iPad or the actual book, and then I'll type my actual like brief out um, in class. Maybe do a little bit before, but do like the details in class and I pay more attention. So that's kind of what it looks like. Right now, as an intern, I'm really liking my schedule. I make my own schedule. So um, I've been starting at like 10 every day, which is like perfect for me. So, and I'm trying to do like about six hours a day. So then I have like a 30-ish hour week. Um, so like most days today, I accidentally got up a little later. I was just exhausted this morning. But most days, um, my alarm goes off at nine every day, unless I set it back or move it up. My alarm goes off at nine. Then I'll like lay in bed for a little bit. And the goal is to get up and be ready to start working at 10. It doesn't usually happen. It's usually more like 1030. But um, again, I get to make my own schedule. It's fine as long as I'm getting my work done. So in the summer right now, I'm working like 10 to 5 most days because with like an hour break in the middle for lunch, then um, it's a six hour work day. Or if I just take like a half hour break six and a half hours um five more some days I'll work like 11 to six just because again like I am not a morning person I function so much better later in the day um but my favorite is when I actually get up early enough to be able to do like yoga before I start working just like a quick one like a quick 10 15 minute like little wake up yoga so I did that a lot during finals too I would do yoga when I woke up to get my brain going and I would do yoga before bed to shut my brain down so I could like actually sleep comfortably and rest and not be thinking about finals so um during finals too you kind of make your schedule what you need like I said I'm not a morning person so same as right now when I get to make my schedule I sleep in until about nine not super late but that way I can go to bed at like midnight or even like 12 31 and still sleep like eight hours and be able to function the next day and not be like, oh, 
I didn't get enough sleep. I'm yawning because I'm recording this at 9.30 at night. Ha ha ha. But um, yeah, so I'll usually like go to bed at 12-ish. I try to be in bed by 12. I can get to bed at like 11.30. That's even better. Like do a little reading before bed. Um, but I've got to pay attention to the clock because I get distracted. And um, there have been some nights when I actually accidentally read the book I was reading until like 2 or 3 a.m. because it was so good. Um, but yeah, so if you want to read before bed, just have self-control. Don't stay up until 3 a.m. reading like a rom-com when you have to um, do work for your internship the next day. Mistakes that have been made. Regardless, my schedule right now. So anyway, wake up to my alarm at nine, snooze it twice usually. So then it's like 9.20 and I look over and I'm like, oh, Lorelai's laying next to my head. That's my puppy. If you haven't listened before, she's adorable. Um, and then I'll stay in bed and I'll like, you know, scroll my phone a little bit just to get my brain to start to wake up, watch some funny TikToks, see if I have any texts or anything. Um, then I'll give Lorelai some pats. Then we'll roll out of bed. I'll be like, okay, Lorelai, let me go brush my teeth. So I'll go to the bathroom, brush my teeth, do my skincare. Cause gotta get on my face lotion before we go for our walk. Cause it's got my sunscreen in it. Gotta protect that beautiful skin from the New York city rays of sunshine. So I do that, and then at that point, if I'm running on time, it should be like 9.45, and then Lorelai and I will go for a walk until about 10. So if I actually get up at 9, I have time for yoga, or I'm just like, I'll start 15 minutes later, and I'll do like a 15-minute yoga, and we get back for our walk. And then I'll usually um, grab my breakfast, and I will eat breakfast while I start to just kind of like look at and think about what I want to do for the day, see if I have any emails, um, if I've been working on writing something. I might listen to it, like have my computer read it back to me while I'm kind of making my breakfast and eating my breakfast just to get my brain to start like thinking and getting in the work mode. Um, but yeah, and then, like I said, I'm usually done working right now between five and six. If I start earlier, I might be even done a little bit earlier, but right now it's usually five or six. Today I was done at 5.40. I, like I said, I did start working a little bit later today too, but I was done at about 5.40. Um, but I didn't take an hour break in the middle. I took maybe like a 15 minute break, I think. Um, and then I was doing some work even while I was walking over to the clinic office at school. So um, yeah, so I got home. Then I was hungry. I did bring lunch with me, so I ate, but I didn't eat much breakfast, so I was starving when I got home. So then I ate some food and then ended up just completely eating dinner. I was like, I'm just going to eat a snack and I'll eat dinner after. Nope, I just ate some of my pasta salad, my leftover burrito, and I was like, this is dinner. So I'm going to have dessert when I'm done with this. But, um, so I ate some food, and then I had to record this. So here I am. I ate some food. Oh, I walked Lorelai first. I got home, walked Lorelai. She's always first, unless I really have to pee. So I did. I, I went to pee first, and then I walked Lorelai. So I peed, then Lorelai pees. Um, we got, went for, we usually go for a longer walk in the afternoon because in the mornings, like I said, I don't usually have a lot of time. I am someone that wakes up late and is always running late, but you know, I have to, then afterwards, after I'm done with like classes or if I'm done with work, whatever it is, I'd be like, this is Lorelai's time. Let's go do our little stroll, Lorelai. And I'll let her walk a little bit longer than maybe I want to. I'll be like, okay, I can slow down. I don't need to be in a rush. So, um, then Lorelai and I go for our cute little walk. And then I came back here and I did this or other nights right now I'd be working on like applications and stuff for on-campus interviews. So tomorrow night, that's what I will be doing most likely and Thursday and excuse my yacht. 
it's not even that late. I am just yawning. And Friday. Um, but yeah, but otherwise, when it, before like bidding came out for like interview stuff, I was just kind of relaxing at night, letting myself really like refresh from the busy school year. And even now, like I'm trying not to do too much. I'm going to do a good amount of those applications and stuff this weekend so that like nights I can kind of relax after I'm done working. So I'm usually tired. Um, but yeah, so like now in the summer, I try to give myself time at night and then in the school year. So don't some, of course, some nights I would stay up late because like I said, I'm a late, I like to stay up late, wake up late. Um, I do my best writing late at night. So most likely if I have a paper due, like I'm probably writing the first draft of it at, um, midnight, 2am just because that's when my thoughts flow the best. And then I'll like actually fix it and stuff in broad daylight when my brain functions better. But, you know, get the thoughts flowing late at night. But otherwise, try not to stay up too late. Every once in a while it happens. But there's resources out there like Quimby and stuff if you need to look up a case brief. Um, there's Barbary for 1L courses for, like, topics and um, not functions. Oh, my God. What's the word I'm looking for? Just, like, explanation topics. Explanations of, like, topics and stuff that you're learning about. Um, so there's resources out there. So don't stay up late just to read a case. Like if it's already like midnight, just look up like a case brief and then you can always read the case after, but like your sleep is most important. So try to prioritize that the best that you can. Yeah. So that's kind of what like a day in my life looks like right now. Again, if you want to see what it looks like for me, um, look on my TikToks. I've posted examples of like, this is what my weekend, like this is what my Sunday looked like. This is what my Monday looked like. Um, I think I'll do one this week where I post like the time of everything, like wake up, maybe tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Um, so I'll be doing it today. So it'll be posted tomorrow because this is Tuesday night. So I'm going to post this episode as soon as I'm done with it. So I'll be recording the TikTok with like the timestamps of like woke up at nine, did this at this time, went to the office at this time. I will be recording that Wednesday. So when you're, you could be listening to this when this episode is out. So then I will post it Wednesday night or Thursday morning. Um, but yeah, I could do one that's like a week too. So like little clips of every day. Um, but yeah, or if you guys want like a full vlog of me showing my week, I can do like a YouTube one, whatever you think. But um, so I will do that for you guys. But that's a little bit about what it looks like. So kind of, it's like, Law school is like a full-time job, whether you have it like set later in the day, like me, I function better later. So I would do like 10 to like six, eight. Um, but some people are morning people and they'd get up early and they would read before class. They might do like a seven to like a five, you know, it's whatever works for you. But I did find it best when I would do my readings at school and I would come home and I'd be like, I don't have to do it. Like, even if I was there like an extra hour or so, I'd be like, well, now, like, I can just relax tonight or I can, like, just work on, like, some chill outlining, like, not have to do a lot. But so that's the answer to that first question. And let me pull up another one. I'm sorry, too. I just realized that was, like, a 12-minute answer to that one question. But there's, you know, there's little aspects to it because it depends on the day and it depends on you. So, um, anyway, next question. Okay. Again, I spoke into my phone like it's a microphone. Okay, somebody asked me. Um, she said, I'm currently in court reporting school, but I'd love to know what they teach y'all when it comes to how to maintain working relationships within the courtroom with the court clerks, etc. 
Um, so I'm going to be honest, this is not something I have learned in any of my classes at this point, and I will just simply say that there's not much else to that. But like from speaking with like current attorneys, past students, and just like professors advice or like what um, career services have told us, but not something we've learned specifically from like a class class that we've taken, but from our professionalism class, which interesting, but um, you know, they made us take it. And just from what they've talked about, like, and even just myself, what I've learned, I, so it's hard for me to differentiate what I just kind of know from like working in offices and in the legal field versus what maybe somebody told me at law school but like the way to maintain working relationships is really like with other attorneys and stuff it's like just just talk to them just treat them like people I find that to be the answer to maintaining like working relationships in any field is like just actually getting to know the people in order to really have those relationships and then let's say like in terms of networking like a tip that they would give us is like if you talk to someone once like and you know a lot of times they'll be like stay in touch keep in touch so if you're like applying to their firm or you have like a question about like a practice area that they work in just like reach out to them be like hey do could you connect me to someone about this or like hey just want to let you know like I'm a I just submitted my application um, for, like, your summer internship. Like, I hope I get a chance to speak to some of your colleagues for an interview or something. Like, it's really just about, like, actually talking to people because people love talking about what they do and talking about themselves. Like, that's what we do as people. We like to talk about um, ourselves and what we do and, like, relate to other people. So... I'm not, again, I'm not sure how much of this I got from law school or from, like, what advisors and stuff have told us, but... um, it's really like it's about just like getting to know the people and like not just like using them like get to know them on a level where they want to help you and you'd want to help them and you kind of like you're interested in what they're doing and such I'm not sure if that answered that question I'm so sorry again I haven't taken like a specific class about this um and it like might have been touched on a little bit but this is just like my understanding of the best way to maintain working relationships with people in the legal field or most fields. Okay, this last question for today, and if you guys like this, I can do another like Q&A thing another time, but the last one for today is, um, it was the longer one. She sent it in a message. So she was like, hi, um, started recently started listening to your podcast and following your Instagram. I wanted to respond to your Insta story, but my response was too long, so I'm sending a message instead. LOL. Sorry in advance for the length. Um, She said, I was also diagnosed really late with ADHD and I'm realizing more and more every day how much it creeps into every aspect of my life. I was actually diagnosed after I completed undergrad and my master's. It wasn't until I started studying for the LSAT and applying to law school that she got diagnosed. ADHDers are all unique, but there are some traits shared in common that I think would be awesome to highlight in a podcast series or here in this question. Focusing specifically on neurodivergency in the legal field, law school, would be really cool because most mainstream lawyers represented do not share these common qualities of hypersensitivity, impulsivity, etc. Incorporating different ways to overcome these specific struggles in all sorts of settings of life would be really interesting to me. Thanks. Okay, 
Very sweet. I'm happy you started listening. I hope you are enjoying it. And I hope I give a little bit in, of insight to your um, question and um, suggestion today. And moving forward, like I always am giving ADHD tips out. So um, I'll try to, when it makes sense, I'll try to make it more clear how it's like specific in the legal field in the future when I'm talking about things like that. But as for today... I have actually said before that I think the legal field and like law school really lends um, to people with ADHD. I can't speak to like neurodivergency in general. Like I'm not sure about autistic people, but the way that my ADHD presents and like a lot of people that I know that have ADHD, a lot of us, especially those that are late diagnosed, end up being like perfectionist type ADHDers. And that has a lot to do, I believe, with the late diagnosis. So because most of the people that I know that have ADHD were diagnosed later in life, um, especially the ones that are in law school or um, like planning to go into law school. So it would be interesting to kind of hear, and maybe I can find someone that's had an experience like this, how someone that was diagnosed with ADHD, like when they were a child, kind of um, how this may differ for them. But I know for, like I said, for people that are later diagnosed, me and then some of my friends I know that have ADHD, we are the perfectionist type because it was like a coping skill in a way that we came up with. I recently spoke to my, not my lawyer, <laughs> my therapist about this. And I was like, you know, I realized that, um, I think the reason that like I had so much anxiety growing up is because my anxiety was actually a coping mechanism that I developed in order to deal with like my ADHD and my disorganization in my brain. So I'd be like, well, my brain's disorganized. So I have to remind it constantly to do these things, which turned into anxiety. But that lended to like the perfectionist type way where I'd be like, well, I need to make sure I'm doing these things. Like I have to do everything perfectly. Like people can't know that my brain's all confused and disorganized, but that creates like a perfectionist on the outside. And I feel like people that are very perfectionist and like type A seeming really are drawn to something like law school and a legal career where you're like, well, like if I have this degree, it's like then people will be like, oh, yeah, she's smart. Like, there's no arguing. Like, if somebody has a law degree, you're not like, oh, well, they're so dumb. Like, no, <laughs> if you made it to law school, like, you've got to be pretty smart. Um, it's it's tough, and it's a tough process to actually make it through the whole thing. But so I think in that way, there's actually, I don't know, a, not a good amount, but I feel like there's more people in the legal field that have ADHD that we don't know about because they're people that are undiagnosed and they created like these perfectionist tendencies. Not that every perfectionist has ADHD, totally different, like not totally different, all different things, sorry. All different things can create like perfectionist tendencies. But um, ADHD is definitely one of those things because you're trying to almost overcompensate. And like law school, it's the people a lot of times that like you grew up like you had perfect grades Um, because there's two sides of ADHD it's like you're disorganized on the outside and everybody knows or like you seem perfect on the outside because you develop these maybe unhealthy (laughs) sometimes unhealthy sometimes good Uh, you know there's a fine line Um, 
you developed these coping skills that made you come off as a perfectionist because everything on the outside is perfect, which is how I am. So um, not anymore. I don't try to come off as perfect anymore all the time. You know, it's still tough sometimes. Sometimes I still try to seem perfectionist-y. But I try to be more real and stuff on my social media when I can. And on here, I talk way more freely on here. Um, But so I think in that respect, the legal field in general and law school lends to people that have ADHD. And it's also because it's structured. It's like, oh, like you finished undergrad and you're like, okay, well, now like I can go to law school and I can get that degree. And it's like very structured and it's like a really high achievement, which people with ADHD are always like chasing those big goals because and those achievements because of the like dopamine hit that you get from it because that's what you're lacking if you have ADHD you're lacking dopamine so you do that's why it's hard for you to focus on things that aren't fun because you're not like you feel like you're not getting anything out of it it's like if you don't like cleaning it's hard to get yourself to clean your room because you're not like getting dopamine out of it um but so that's a little bit yeah that's my basic thoughts on um, ADHD in the legal field. So I think there's more people that have ADHD in the legal field than are diagnosed because they've gone undiagnosed and that's why they are perfectionists. And I did see some stats the other day where I don't remember what it was, but it was like, I'm going to say 11 and 14%, like 11% of the general population has ADHD, but like 14% of um, people like attorneys um, have ADHD. So even like in that percent of like what's actually like not registered, what's actually um, expressed of what people have been diagnosed with and stuff, even in that you see that it's a little bit higher. So it just like I imagine is it is actually quite a bit higher and people just don't realize it. So a lot of times if you're just like a perfectionist type ADHD or you won't get noticed because you're not like disruptive or anything and because you've found ways to not forget things. So you're not like forgetful. So you're not like, oh, how does this child keep forgetting things? Because you created coping skills over time. And then I will just go a little bit into the other part of what this listener asked um, about how a lot of mainstream lawyers represented don't share the common qualities of like hypersensitivity and impulsivity and such because that's a very neurodivergent thing now of course there you don't have to be neurodivergent to be hypersensitive or impulsive but those are things that do come along with um having adhd being neurodivergent so like i will say (laughs) for me the impulsivity comes into play in that I kind of jump around from what I want to do. So I'll throw myself fully in and be like, I want to do this type of law. And then I like look into it and maybe I'll do a lot of research on it. And then I'll like be like, no, I want to do this. So I do a lot of like jumping around in that respect. So it's hard for me to figure out what area of law I necessarily want to go into. But with that, I think a good tip for that then when you're looking at like different internships and stuff is to really try out different things because it might be your like hyper focus of like, oh, I think this is really interesting. You want to learn about it, but you won't actually know if it's something that you enjoy doing unless you try it. So look into externships and internships, classes of things that you find interesting to really feel it out. Don't just assume that the one thing that you think you wanted is what you'd actually like doing the best because like 
as I said, we get a little obsessed with things sometimes. Um, so we might get hooked on it and be like, oh, I want to do this. But then you might learn that you really like another area of law or like you really want to work in like a nonprofit or something. So give yourself the chance and opportunities to explore different areas of law and everything in externships, clinics, anything you have the opportunity to explore while in law school so that you've actually had the chance to try those things out and not just like blindly go in obsessed with something being like, I want to be a corporate attorney. I want to be a tax attorney. And then you just take that and chug along through law school. And then when you get through, you're like, actually, this brings me no dopamine. I'm miserable. So let yourself try out different areas of law and explore them. Um, I guess I'm not even sure if that goes with the impulsivity, but that's like a separate aspect of like ADHD. Like don't let yourself get like the hyper focus of like, oh, this is what I want. Like the hyper focus can be useful sometimes when you're trying to study, very useful. But when you're trying to figure out what you really want to do and what areas of law really interest you, try to um, acknowledge, be like, okay, I really think I want to do this, but like, am I just super hyper focused on this right now? And that's like, just what I think I want in this moment but if I like take this path these next three years and only look at that area of law am I going to regret it and think maybe I should have tried out other ones so really just try to explore opportunities and see what you find to be the most fun since um you know we want the dopamine but then in terms of like hypersensitivity this one actually I feel like can be pretty big in law school because of the curve even if you've always been a straight A student and you really feel like you know the material only so many people can get an A in each class. So this can hit pretty hard when you get your grades back and you're like, I've always been a straight A student, but maybe now you're getting, even if it's just like B's, like B's are really, really good, especially in law school. B's are really, really good. But even like a C, like I got, um, I got a C on my con law exam. I'm still unhappy about it, but you, and that's like where the hypersensitive sensitivity can hit because you're like, it's like an insult to me. Um, so it's like, you just have to remind yourself, which is tough. Don't get me wrong. I know it's tough that your grades do not completely define you. And like, it's just the way law school is structured. We cannot all get A's. As smart as we are, we are not allowed to all get A's. The average of each class has to be usually like a B or something. So we cannot all get A's. So um, try your best not to compare yourself to other people. These are not easy things. And you just have to keep reminding yourself. Like, it's okay. And if you get, like, criticism, like, in terms of hypersensitivity, if you're working on, like, an oral argument or something and, like, you're getting, like, feedback on it, like, don't take it personally for any of these things that you might not do perfect the first time. Like, these are things you've never done before. So, like, yes, people that are neurodivergent are more, that was English, neurodivergent, are more hypersensitive to, like, critique and stuff. And, like, that's okay. So if you need to like take a step away or if you're someone that's super, super hypersensitive to it and you're like, you know, you wouldn't handle like critique very well on the spot. Like when you're doing like a practice round of your oral argument or something, you could even like let your TA know or your professor be like, um, I really want your feedback. You could like if you really don't think you could handle it, you could ask like, be like do you think you could give it in writing like it's I I can like work from feedback best when I kind of have it written down so I can like see and explore it myself in my own time 
or you could even like just kind of listen to what they have to say which sometimes it can be hard to remember to listen when we have ADHD as well because um we zone out but um just listen and like you don't need to necessarily respond to something right then you could just be like okay thank you and then you could think about then when you like leave whatever it is you could think about it write it down and like ask questions if you have of them later like how could I do this better how could I do that um also hypersensitivity in terms of like Elsa and like just applying to schools like the law school system in general can be tough on people so just keep reminding yourself it's okay we can't all go to the big 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 school and law school is tough and we can't all get the A's like we're literally not allowed to all get A's not like oh we can't all get A's we can't all no we literally even if we're all geniuses which we are we can't all get A's and um that's just gonna hurt a little bit And if you're not someone that gets, like, all A's, there's always a couple of those people. But in general, most people get a mix of grades. Um, So, like, just do not let that personally insult you. It's just how the curve works in law school. That's okay. And then impulsivity. My biggest impulsive issue in law school is that... um, When I'm stressed about school, I'm a stress shopper to get my little hits of dopamine. So um, if that's you, just try to pay attention to your spending. But otherwise, impulsivity, like, um, I don't know, like, don't impulsively, like, turn to, like, alcohol or something. Like, try to just try to give yourself, like, healthy coping mechanisms ahead of time. Like Like I said, I love to do yoga make sure you're working out and stuff and that like helps so much to get the stress out so then you're not and like working out also helps like create that dopamine and serotonin and everything so then you are not later doing impulsive things to try to get that dopamine and serotonin so put things in place that give that to you ahead of time have a good therapist stay in touch with your psychiatrist if you take meds for ADHD or any other um mental illness I take a Lexapro for anxiety as well as well as my ADHD stimulant so um yeah just like put things in place ahead of time to help you out later and like even like talk if you have a therapist talk to your therapist make like a game plan of like I know like I'll impulsively spend money because it depends who you are what your impulsive tendencies are mine are like I, I spend money when I'm stressed and like law school makes me stressed so I spend money so I have to really like pay attention to my spending and like give myself like a no spending week sometimes never ends up being no spending but it makes me think more about what I'm spending but if you know what your impulsive tendencies are speak to your therapist or someone kind of make a game plan of how to avoid that and maybe like put yourself in a better place ahead of time so that you're not being quite as impulsive but um yeah I hope that kind of answered that question and covered like some of the topics again I love to talk about this stuff so I kind of incorporate ADHD wherever it makes sense throughout episodes so I will continue to talk about it as I always do so you'll get some more info about this suggested topic maybe it will turn into a sub-series I don't know who knows um and I'll try try to find a guest that like has been diagnosed with ADHD since they were young to see um see if they also are like the perfectionist type like if they've been like medicated since they were young um or just like been in therapy been diagnosed you know I'll see if I can get any guests on that have had other experiences because like I said most of the people I know we were diagnosed later so we made those like 
unknown coping mechanisms of perfectionism um, to avoid getting um, in trouble because um, we're hypersensitive and we have rejection sensitivity dysphoria. <laughs> you guys can't see my face. I'm like laughing. Um, I'm just making a weird face. Okay, quite honestly, I think that's a whole episode. I'm a little bit tired. Let me give you guys some tips of things you can do. Okay, okay, okay. First segment, how to be a better person. This week, we're going Roe v. Wade themed. Be empathetic to people. If you're someone that might not right off the bat understand why someone is upset about this ruling, listen to them, hear them, understand them. Because if you don't take the time to understand someone, like if you don't, sorry, if you don't take the time to listen, you may not understand why they're upset. And it just, you know, people just need empathy. Like this is a really stressful time for a lot of people, whether because of specifically Roe v. Wade, because maybe they live in a state that had a trigger ban go into place or because they're concerned about, like I said, the broader implications of other laws that could be overturned more easily now. Um, just like be empathetic to people, be kind. And um, if you have the means to donate to programs that are supporting people that need these services or need to travel to other states, really just be kind to people. Sign petitions. Please, please, please vote. Midterm elections are coming up. Primaries are starting to happen. I think that's the biggest thing you can do. Other than donating, not everyone has money to donate, and I understand that. I myself am a broke law student, so I get it. I don't really have money as well, but... um, you can vote. Voting is free. So make sure you're voting in your primaries, voting um, in the actual midterm elections in the fall to put people in office. And I'm not going to say by party because it's not by party. Really look at who you're voting for and what their stances are on things and what like their past voting um, not methods, patterns are to see if they're actually voting for and like trying to get legislation passed that they say that they want to. So um, really do your research on people. Don't assume just because they're like democratic or something that they're going to actually do what um, you want done in getting like protections in place again um, or getting legislation passed. Um, So really like look into the individual people. I'm very like anti-parties. I just like, I'm like I myself, like I'm registered as an independent because I... Even if more oftentimes I may align with the Democratic view, I don't agree with just going down the line and just being like, well, I'm a Democrat, so I'm voting for all the Democrats. No, because I don't agree with all of them. So um, I really stress that you actually look at the voting patterns of these people and if they're actually voting for and passing laws of things that you care about. So that is my how to be a better person tip for you today. Donate when you can. Vote. Vote. Because you always can, but do your research first. Okay, and then my fun tip of the week is actually not going to be a fun thing to do in New York City. It is simply going to be two book recommendations because um, I have refound my love of reading. As a child, I would read like a book a day in the summer, and um, I'm kind of back at that, but not one a day because they're longer now, like one a week. 
Um, so first book recommendation I have for you. This one is, it ends with us. It's a little tragic in the middle. It's a Colleen Hoover book, but it really is such a good book. Such, such a good message. And even though it's a little sad and dramatic in the middle, like it ends really, really, really cute. I will say, um, as a warning in that one, there is a theme of domestic violence going through it and a couple of almost sexual assaults. So um, I will give that trigger warning. So if you are someone that um, has a history of either of those things or you just, it might be too much for you to read, um, look online about more of those warnings and such and see if it's something that you could or would want to read. But I have another one. I have another one. This one has no trigger warnings in it that I can think of. Um, the next one is called, oh my God, it's so cute. It's called The Unhoneymooners. Literally cutest book I've ever read. It was like I was reading, a, it was like I was watching a rom-com, but I was reading it. It was so adorable. I, this is the one that I accidentally stayed up until 3 a.m. one night reading because I started reading at 11.30. I was like, okay, while my hair dries because I showered, I'm going to read like 15, 20 minutes. Like I'm going to read like a chapter or so. I was like, I'm going to finish this chapter and then I'm going to read the next chapter. So like one and a half chapters. Um, didn't do that. Look at my phone and I'm like, oh my God, it's 1 a.m. Um, and I put the book down. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. And I'm like, I just want to take a peek at the next part. Nope. I read for another two hours and didn't even realize it until I looked at my phone again. I looked at the time and I was like, oh my God, it's 3 a.m. So um, that's how good this book was though. I literally... So I started reading it. I read like a chapter the first day that I read it. So I was trying to do just a chapter a day, but then I got so into it. And I really, I read most of it in two settings. I read a little bit one weekend and then I was busy during the week. And then one night I read, um, like I said, those, I accidentally stayed up till 3 a.m. So I've read like, I read 200 pages that night. And then the next day I just like finished the, um, the other 100 pages or not the next day that night I went out the next morning um that like afternoon the Saturday I finished the last hundred pages so I really read most of it in like two sittings so good highly recommend making my roommate read it now then I'm gonna give it to my friend Hannah then I'm probably gonna try to make Grace read it and then my whole family anyway it's called the unhoneymooners it is so cute um I'll just give you the basic gist of it no spoilers of course there um there are two I don't know what I'm saying. The main, oh, the main character is a twin. So the main character is Olive. And then her twin's name is Amy. It starts out at Amy's wedding. In the back of the book, so this is just like the back of the book description, but off the top of my head, it says everybody at Amy's wedding gets sick except for her twin sister, Olive, and the best man, the, um, not the bride, the groom's brother, Ethan. So they have to take the honeymoon. Um, I won't tell you how they all end up sick or anything, but, um, so Ethan and Olive have to take the honeymoon. It's under Amy's name. So they're taking over the honeymoon, like, basically pretending to be them. So, um, it's like a little fake dating story, which is my favorite. It was so, so cute. Also, a little bit of their, like, enemies at the beginning. So, um, so, 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 so cute. I'm probably gonna read it again, actually, when Megan's done with it. I actually got the audiobook of it on, like, the New York Public Library app. So, um, I have been having the book lady read it to me at night a couple times now, and it's so cute. I'm like, <laughs> I just love this story, and it's gonna be turned into a movie at some point. Um, so all the books I'm reading right now, I'm only doing books that are turning into movies. 
And then I also have a manifesting book that I want to read that I have to pick up from the library in the next two days because um, it's on hold for me. But um, yeah, so very excited for that. And then also a third book rack. Haven't read it yet. Um, the Summer I Turned Pretty. I know it just it's a TV show, show right now, a series, or it's a movie on Netflix or something. I'm not sure which. But so I'm going to read that first before I watch it because I love reading it first and like getting my own visuals in my head and then watching after to be like, oh my God, like they got this so right. So um, yeah, I'm in love with books again. I'm in love with reading again. I hope all of you that got burnt out by reading at school come to be this way as well at some point if you used to be a book lover. Um, anyway, sending you lots of love. Lots of good vibes. And I will talk to you all next week. Have a beautiful day, beautiful night, beautiful afternoon, my loves.